Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Ballhawks podcast. We are here. It's been a little bit of a minute. We are a little late on recording time. It's Saturday, so like we normally do this on Thursdays, but scheduling things get weird sometimes, especially at the end of you know collegiate semesters where we have a lot of stuff going on. Um, speaking of a lot of stuff going on, no Drew with us today because, no of, a Drew. Of, because of a lot of stuff going on. Right. Um, so that brings us to what was now last week's Thursday night football game that I fell asleep during because I've fallen asleep during a lot of these really bad Thursday night matchups recently. I don't blame um, you. Jesse, take it away. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, guys, welcome back. We don't got Drew this week. Uh, we tried really hard to get the episode out uh, on Thursday, but, you know, that's how life works. Schedules don't line up. Things happen. That's just what it is. So it's me and Jack, and, yeah, welcome back. So opening up, we got week nine of the NFL season. We're halfway through, Jack. Uh, don't tell me that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the Thursday night game, let's talk about it. Last week, we had the Titans visiting the Steelers. I believe, if I can remember correctly, I think me and you had the Titans, or me and Drew had the Titans. I know I had the Titans. I think I had the, I had the Titans, and that was only the second Steelers game I'd gotten wrong all year. I've been talking about all year how I've been so good with the Steelers games, and that was not the one I got right. Yeah. I, like, I almost wanted to switch it after I had said on the podcast, but once I said on the podcast, you gotta stick with yeah, it. it's locked in. Yeah. So. Uh, I thought Will Levis hung in there. We talked about on that episode about uh, how the Steelers' defense would get after him, which they did. But I thought he did a solid job uh, back there of managing the offense, and he kept them within striking distance the entire game. Really, up until the fourth quarter, it was back and forth. The game was in the balance, and if he makes one or two throws, this could be a, a big Titans win on the road that we're talking about. Yeah, and it's, I think the thing that's interesting to me with Tennessee right now is that Will Levis does look really good. And, like, when we, when we if anyone listened to when we did our mock draft, this is going to be a story we're going to talk about forever. For years. We're sitting here doing our mock draft, and all right, you know, Jesse's one. I think I think you were one, I was two, and Drew was three. And we were just mm-hmm. alternating between who had the picks and all that, whatever. And we somehow just, you know, Will Levis at this point in time was thought to be, like, a top five guy, maybe top ten at worst. And somehow, some way, it kind of became a joke as we went on. But we just none of us took Will Levis, and then it got to a point where, like it made sense in some situations. We were like, all right, you know, well, let's just let's just not let's just we're gonna run with this. We just let Will Levis go to the second round. We did our mock draft, and we were right, which was insane. But like, we shouldn't have been right, and I feel like we like we knew this. This was kind of just a joke that happened, and then all of a sudden, Will Levis goes second round. And you're kind of sitting there like, wait a minute, like. We, we get it, this guy, there are a lot of people that were not as high on this guy as the Mel Kuypers of the world were, mm-hmm. but the guy has undeniable arm talent, which is always going to get you somewhere in the NFL. For sure. And he has shown that so well in these first two starts in the NFL, and that was a really good example. He played well. There's a lot for him to learn as he gets better, and the Steelers' defense is not an easy one to play against, especially as, you know, in your second start in the NFL. But, like, he's shown you so much arm talent-wise that the Titans have something to look forward to, which is not something I thought I'd be saying this year, honestly. No, and that draft was kind of unique itself. Uh, the first receiver was like the 20th round uh, with Seattle taking JSN. It was just a very weird draft. And like you were saying, he kind of fell behind into the second round. And, yeah, it was hilarious how every single time there was a pickup, we just kind of kept him on the board. Wasn't really out of mind, but kind of was. And then it just kept falling and falling and falling. But... Like you said, he's come out in these first couple starts, and I think he's 
got some juice going for this Titans team that, you know, searching for answers is uh, is what they're doing this year. Well, all of a sudden, they're interesting to watch. And, mm-hmm. like, that was not the case, you know, two, three weeks ago. And that is something, even just for Titans fans, like, there's a chance, okay, you know what, Ryan Tannehill, he was good for the Titans for what it, you know, for what he was, got them to some playoff games, got them to some playoff wins, but it was over, and it's been over now for a couple of years. And this gives you a reason to have excitement again if you're a Titans fan. Absolutely. I would be more than uh, excited for the future they have. And I think if they continue to support Will Levis and give him just enough time to develop, they can really have something special there. The Steelers, uh, by the way. We, we didn't talk about much the Steelers. They won the game. They did win the because game. Kenny Pickett, for whatever reason, in the fourth quarter just like just turns it on. He just th- th- three, three quarters, you're like, okay, why is this guy starting in the NFL? Right. And then the fourth quarter happened. He's like, oh, I got Deontay Johnson down there. Pickens generally would be down there, but he wasn't during this game. But generally, oh, I only just dot down there, dot down there, roll to the left, throw it, make a nice throw, be a 10-yard scramble. And just all of a sudden, Kenny Pickett's like, wait a minute. Is he the guy? Is he not the guy? We really don't know. Nobody knows. Some guys hate him. Some Steelers fans don't like him. Some Steelers fans do like him. Matt Canada is bad either way. <laughs> like Matt Canada is bad either way. I can <laughs> hey, confirm you know, that. Matt Canada was down on the field, and it looked like maybe it was a little better. Maybe. Maybe. Just, just a tad. I don't they know. Won. That's still, a plus. I mean, they still only put up 20 points, so that's better than their output has been in some other games they've played. So, like, the Steelers, they, they feel like they shouldn't be winning games. But they're winning games, and they feel like they're getting better as the season progresses. The only thing that's happening is this George Pickens thing where, like, they won a game, and George Pickens didn't play well, and George Pickens is, like, you know, removing all the Steelers stuff for his bio and saying, free me. And, like, we kind of could see this coming with George Pickens. There's a reason he went as low in the draft as he did. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, it's weird. I I think the Steelers are one of those teams that we're going to get into uh, here right away, like the Dolphins, where they win the games – that they're supposed to win against lower-end teams or teams that are on the same level as them. But they really struggle against uh, contender teams in the NFL, teams that have a solid defense, teams that are efficient on offense. And it just seems like they always find a way to win those games where they're the same level or lower. Uh, but that's the crazy the thing is that like we're grouping the Steelers and like the Steelers who have played like bad football and won these games with the Dolphins who have been destroying these bad teams mm-hmm. yet when you look at like they're the exact they, they same feel record like there's so them. much different and there's yeah. such a big gap between them it's like like really is there like you look at their wins and you look at their losses like is there like if you put Steelers Dolphins in a playoff matchup do we know who wins that I no I don't think we do and that's the game we're actually going to move on to next year in Germany we had the Dolphins against the Chiefs uh, going into this one I was I, not awake by the way I was not awake either. Although, this is, see, this is where we I know Drew, I know Drew, Drew was, was awake. awake. He was awake. We needed him for this Yeah. One. So I had the Miami Dolphins going into this game. I was feeling pretty confident about their defense uh, with Jalen Ramsey back for a second game. And, I, you know, I didn't get to watch any of the game. I just saw the highlights. But from the analysis that I picked up, Tua really, really struggles at coughing up the football. And... It's just timely turnovers that are just destroying this offense. They seem to be moving up and down the field in these games, but when the pressure's on and it's third down and they need to make a play, it's almost like there's, you know, a second of confusion for Tua, and there's a bit of indecisiveness, and he either fumbles or 
just kind of tosses it up into double coverage and they turn the ball over. So I think for, for the Dolphins, you, you have to be worried. You haven't beat a really good team yet that has a winning record. And that's the reason why everyone's saying they're frauds is because if you look at the track record, they're right. They haven't beat a good team yet. When you look at Tua Tagovailoa and you look at how he plays quarterback, when he knows where the ball is supposed to go, he is one of the best in the NFL when he knows where, Anticipation. He, where he needs to put it. When Tua Tagovailoa has to improvise a little bit, things go really poorly. And the good defenses are doing that to him. And he didn't play terribly against Philly. But the good defenses are doing that to him. And it's kind of this trend that we're starting to notice around Shanahan system quarterbacks, with Garoppolo especially. It's happening a little bit to Purdy right now. Mm-hmm. And obviously Tua Tagovailoa plays under Mike McDaniel, who is, you know, Shanahan understudy. And... When these quarterbacks know where they're throwing to, the job's easy. As long as they have the talent to get it there, and that's, you know, okay, Tyree Kill's going deep. If this guy does this, I'm throwing to Tyree. All right? For sure. If the safety drops down, I'm throwing to Tyree. Okay, yeah. easy. Throw it. Got him. Yeah. But when the, when the quarterback has to do a little more thought than just that much, things get a lot worse. And it's happening to Tua. It's happened to Jimmy. And obviously, Jimmy's not having a good time in Vegas right now. And, 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 <laughs> no, and Purdy's, unfortunately, right now, a solid example of this where Purdy's still learning how to improvise this. Tua is. Tua's got more of a sample size that shows you that he's not necessarily able to do it. But it's it's kind of this weird thing that's happening. That's my worry with Tua right now. Is the arm talent, like, the big problem for him was a long time was the arm talent. That's clearly not the issue. The arm talent's there. It's not this elite arm or anything. But he can make the throws he needs to make. But he's not processing things quickly enough when things need to change, when things are being improvised. Um, in terms of the Chiefs, though, that's the thing, is that we, we keep talking about Chiefs, and obviously Patrick Mahomes. I've been saying this since week two. I was a little scared of the Chiefs' defense. Mm-hmm. And every week I'm getting more and more scared of the Chiefs' defense because this might be a top three unit in the league. And that's what Chris Jones has said. This is the best defense that he's played with, which is scary because if you look at the roster, I would argue that uh, their champion, like when they won uh, you know, a couple of years ago, like obviously they won last year, but when they won before that. When they, when they beat the Niners. Yes, yeah, thank that you. Time. Thank you. Yes, I would <laughs> – I was struggling with the year, yeah. I think it was 2020. It was, yeah, 2020. 2020. Yes, 19, yes, yeah, yes. So when they won, I, th- I would argue that that had, was the better defense and had better playmakers. But, yeah, going back to what you said, Chris Jones thinks it's the best defense, and they're proving it right now. Uh, they're playing at a level that we haven't seen since that championship team. Uh, and it's without guys like Tyron Matthew or Chavarius Ward who have found new homes as we know so it's it's surprising they're on the same level almost as like the browns and the ravens yeah they, they obviously did a really good job where like you know they've lost all these offensive players they lost tyree kill they let tyra matthew walk like but they've replaced them with young talent that is now developing obviously trent mcduffie is the top corner in the league in my opinion Legarius need has been one of the better corners in the nfl now for a couple of years this, obviously chris jones is still around and chris jones is chris maybe jones. the biggest game record in the nfl outside of Aaron donald and maybe tj watt so, this defense, there's a lot to be said about it. And Steve Spagnuolo has been cooking up for years. We've known that. He's so good. But they kind of had a little like weird period. Okay, like they had that 2019 defense that it wasn't elite, but when they they need they got the job done when they needed to. They they turned they knew how to turn it up, mm-hmm. even though they weren't great in the regular season. And now this defense is all right. Miami over Miami to 14. They held Jacksonville to nine. I mean, they've been all over everybody. They've been the main reason they've won games this year. Mm-hmm. No, yeah, for sure. It's they're riding that defense. And it shows because Mahomes, from what we've seen from Mahomes, he's not playing his best brand of football. He's not. 
Uh, he's turning the ball over. He's not looking like the Patrick Mahomes that we know. And for them to be still winning these games, it just shows how cohesive their football team is right now. And I think going back to Tua, that's a really big problem as a quarterback. Uh, not being able to extend the play and feel the pressure, that's probably one of the most underrated uh, skill sets I think you need to have. And I don't know if it's that Tua needs to go back and you know, maybe watch some like Russell Wilson highlights in Seattle, but he's God, he's he's got he's got <laughs> he's got to find a way, Jack, to be able to, whether it's in practice having some blitz looks, he's got to find a way to be able to handle this pressure and roll out of the pocket and make a play because it just hasn't been there. Like you said, he's great at, at anticipation. When he gets a clean pocket, a clean passing lane, he'll make the throw every time. But it's when the play breaks down, that's where the problem starts. Yeah, and I think that that is always something that, like, that's that's the next step for him. Is that if he gets that down, the Dolphins, they're not going to stop very easily. They have the no. players that they have. And that was kind of, like, I've been talking about the whole Shanahan system. That was kind of the thing that, like, stuck out to me about Purdy, even early on in his career, that he was very good at the improvisation part of the thing. Where, like, he would, you know, he's not this insane runner, but he can do it. And he would make throws on the run relatively frequently. We don't see that enough from Tua because he has the legs to do it. And obviously he did a lot more at Alabama before he got hurt. Maybe that plays into it too. But I just there's not enough improvisation of this Dolphins offense for me to sit here and call them a Tier S AFC team. Absolutely not. And one last thing I want to add on the Chiefs is they're sitting at 7-2 and two right now. They've won six of their last seven. Uh, they had that opening, opening week loss the first game of the season against Detroit, but Outside of that, they've been just dominant, Jack, for the last two months. It feels like they, no team has really uh, gave yeah, them, they lost gave one to Denver while they were while Mahomes was sick. All right. right, I don't even count that. Really, we all forgot about it already. So, anyways, they're they're doing what they do, and at this rate, they're probably gonna get the number one seed if they continue this. Yep, we'll see. Uh, moving on, we had the Vikings and the Falcons. This is a Joshua Dobbs legacy game, Jack. You know, he gets, he gets uh, you know, obviously the Cardinals in that whole situation. He's done there. And then they trade him to, to, to the Vikings. And the funny part about this story before I get into it is from sources and everything that I know about it, at least, he was told Monday that he was starting. Like so for the, the next week. The source is him. Yes, the source is him. He was told Monday that he was starting, okay? So he's starting, blah, 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 blah. And then Tuesday rolls around. And Jonathan Gannon's like, actually, no, you're not starting. We're going to start Clayton Toon out of Houston. Right. But don't worry. We're not going to trade you. You're not going anywhere. You're just not going to start. He's like, okay, okay, okay. And then his agent reaches out to him. And he's like, oh, actually, uh, yeah, you could be traded tomorrow. And then what do you know? We wake up on Wednesday and he's off to Minnesota. So it was just a really weird kind of situation going on. I don't I don't know if I've uh, seen that in a while. Yeah, I mean, we've already kind of come to learn that teams in the NFL and teams around sports in general, they, they'll lie about It's all a business. Uh, you know, it is a business, and that's it, it's unfortunate, but I think this is a better opportunity for Josh Dobbs, I think. Better weapons? Undoubtedly. Yeah. Yeah, better weapons. He wasn't going to have that job in Arizona once Kyler Murray came back at no. way, and not with Kirk Cousins injured. This is probably his job for the year if he wants it. And the thing with this, with, for me, this game... I still can't get a Falcons game right. This was like, okay, you know, lock of the week, Atlanta Falcons against Jaron Hall. 
All right, Atlanta Falcons. They're going to win this game. Don't care that Taylor Heineke's playing. It's the Atlanta Falcons. Nope. Guess what? Jack picked the Falcons. They're going to lose. Like, oh, my. Can I get one Falcons? It's been weeks. It's been months. The Niners, I, I've been sitting here. You know, the Niners haven't won a game since, like, the end of October. Like, I'm not, I actually don't know if they won a game in the month of November. But, like, no, wait, wait. Put on calendar. Wait, recalibrate. It's November now. October. It's been, it's been like, the, since the beginning of October. It's November yeah. now. So... I think my I think the Niners losing streak is shorter right now than my Falcons losing streak in terms of game picks. I still can't get a Falcons game right. So from now on, if you ever listen to this podcast, we don't bet personally. No. But like if I say pick the Falcons, do not don't do that. Pick the Falcons. If I say to take the team that's playing the Falcons, take the Falcons. We're at that point right now. Yeah. I can't get a Falcons game right. We are. We are at that point. I'm and like my Atlanta Falcons record is like two and seven. And it's it's funny to watch. I'll be honest, because I usually get most of these right. <laughs> you were wrong That's on this one too, though. I was wrong on this one, but usually Falcons and Texans have been my two sleeper teams that I usually get right. So and those are the two I can't find a beat on at all. Yeah, but you know, I think it's a win-win for both of these teams. Uh, Kyler Murray, you, it's a win-win for him. You know, he doesn't have that uh, competition now. It's it's his job. Like we knew it was going to be his job, but. He doesn't have that guy who's been playing well still on the team uh, to kind of push him even further. So it's a it's a win for him. Arizona gets Arizona gets him back. He's going to start this week. Uh, would love to see him have a great game and you know come back off of his injury. And then for the Vikings, yeah, you get Joshua Dobbs who's been playing really good football this year. The Cardinals have been competitive in all their games pretty much. Uh, you know they had a sneaky win against the Cowboys and. I think this is a great place for him to uh, to fit in. Uh, Justin Jefferson should be coming back next week. He was ruled out this week, but he should be coming back next week off of uh, off of his injury. And you get Jordan Addison as one of your premier weapons in the conversation right now for Offensive Rookie of the Year, just having a great campaign. And I think it's just a great great place for him to be. The Vikings are sitting at five and four, right behind the Lions, and the Lions. We know what the Lions are. They're a really solid football team. Yes, they got blown out by the Ravens, who are they're in their own kind of realm right now. But the Vikings, make no mistake, you know they they're without Kirk Cousins. But let's say Joshua Dobbs can string a couple of games together here, Jack, and especially this last half of the season, they could be for sure a wild card spot. Yeah, and that's the thing for me with the Vikings right now is that there is a lot of talent there, and Josh Dobbs, if there's a shot. Okay, this is where you're really going to earn your spot. If he hasn't already, if you're really going to earn your spot in the NFL, as at least a backup for a while, uh, this is the chance to do it. You're in a division with not good defenses. You still got a couple, like a pretty solid amount of divisional games left, and uh, like you got a lot of good weapons. This is a way better situation for him than it was in Arizona because with Arizona, it, it kind of like those first like four or five weeks are solid, and then it kind of started to fall off. We're like, all right, you know what? This might this might be over. Where the last couple weeks of that time in Arizona, they were not good. No. Uh, it kind of fell apart. Gets to Minnesota, new opportunity. This is a really, really smart guy. I mean, we've known that this guy is like an aerospace yeah, engineer aerospace degree. engineer at Tennessee. He's working with NASA, whatever. And like. Kevin O'Connell basically said that, like, like, you know, he was out there. Kevin was, like, sitting on the head said, like, hey, this is what the play is. Uh, he's going to do this. He's going to do this. He's going to do this. And Josh Dobbs is able to process that really quickly. And Josh Dobbs is one of those guys where, like, he, he's smart. He processes things. It's just the, the, the physical talent isn't all there. The IQs and. Is. If he can, when you give someone like that the weapons that Josh Dobbs is going to have in Minnesota, they're going to have a chance to do something big. Mm-hmm. Um, 
unfortunately, the ceiling for that team isn't very high. It wasn't even very high when Kirk Cousins was playing because the defense is just so bad. Uh, but they have been better it's the been last better, couple weeks. But it's a bad defense. Yeah. And, I mean, they gave up 28 to Taylor Heineke and the Falcons. Like, that, that the ceiling just isn't high. It's, mm-hmm. it, if it's at best, you know, it, you get a seven seed. You got to go over to San Francisco or Detroit, wherever. That's going to be the two seed. Probably not Philly. They're probably going to get the one seed. But a San Francisco or a Detroit or in some odd scenario, which isn't actually that odd, Seattle. And that's your game, Andy. And, and, like, <laughs> at that point, I don't see Minnesota being able to come away with a playoff win in that scenario. But this is, like, a good team. The issue for you with Minnesota is that it, you don't, I don't know if you really want this to be the result of the season because it's, it's just kind of just like – And, man, yeah, season. You're kind of yeah. stuck in purgatory. Yeah. But in the NFL, that's not nearly Stuck as big a as in some other sports. No. So that's all right. Uh, moving on to the Bears and the Saints. The Saints are top of the NFC South right now. I think they're tied with Falcons or Bucks, one of the two. And well, I know the, the Falcons, I think, with the loss, go one game below. Okay, the well, then they're, they're, they're... A game and a half below. Okay, well, at the time, then they're tied. But, yeah, the Saints are, are one of those teams uh, that... Similar to the Steelers, they beat the teams that are on the similar playing field, but they just are just kind of meh. They don't, they're not, they don't do anything that jumps out at you as being great. Uh, Derek Carr has been all right this season so far for them. You know, he's he's getting the job done in some of these games, but they're sitting at five and four. Really could have had a couple more wins. If they if they play better on both sides of the ball, but they're kind of stuck in a division now where it's gonna, I feel like come down to the last stretch, maybe the last two three weeks, because this NFC South every week is just back and forth, back and forth, and they keep switching for who's winning the division. Right yeah, now. you never know what you're getting out of a Saints game. You never know what you're getting out of really NFC any NFC South game at this point, beside the Carolina game. And the Bears are just the Bears, so not much yeah. to say about that. Ah, man. Uh, I, mean, I, I, I'm, I didn't watch this game. No one watched this game. Um, the Saints are just, you know, they're going to they're gonna beat teams sometime, and then they're going to lose a game sometime. It's just going to be like, all right, you know what? We thought the Saints would be a little better. They're not. They're just the Saints. But yeah, they'll probably be the fourth seed in the playoffs when it comes to it and probably end up taking on either Dallas or whoever comes out, whoever comes in second in the NFC West. Yeah, I don't so, That's not going to be a pretty game for them. I can already predict that in the future. Moving on, we had another NFC tilt. We had the Los Angeles Rams travel over to Lambeau Field. Wow, the Rams didn't do much of anything in this game, Jack. Three points on the board. Uh, Big time. <laughs> an interception. The three is good. <laughs> That's about it. That's about all she wrote for the Rams. Yeah, Brett Ripon is not a good quarterback. Uh, you know, it's one of those scenarios where, like, he hasn't started an NFL game in, like, five years. If you remember... Broncos, Jets, Thursday Night Football. This is at least four years ago at this point. I do not remember. Like Brett Rippin versus Sam Darnold at MetLife Stadium. They were both 0-3 at the time, I believe. Um, not a good game. I think the Jets won it. I don't really remember. But uh, I remember watching that game and thinking, man, this is not a good quarterback play. And look, you know what? Sam Darnold, Brett Rippin, they're division rivals. Well, Brett Rippin already, actually already got cut. But <laughs> he got released. He didn't play well. They're like, all right, you know, we're going to bring the new backup. I forget who they brought in, but it's not Brett Rippin anymore playing backup to Matthew Stafford. Uh, yeah. Uh, we'll come back with you on that. 
Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll probably think we'll I'm figure out that right now. But yeah, uh, looking at the Packers though, they're in uh, the NFC North, as everyone knows, and they're sitting at three and five. We know that the Lions are leading the division right now with the Vikings close behind, but you feel like it's just one of those wins. Uh, even though they're three and five, they're only a couple of games back of uh, of the Lions. Uh, you know, two three games back, which isn't terrible. Uh, you feel like they can really try to put the pressure on with at least a couple more wins and make it competitive down the line. Because three and five, while it's not great, they're still within striking distance. Yeah, and look, you know what? Maybe my prediction of the Packers winning the division will still be right. No, no chance. But uh, <laughs> look, we, we, Jordan Love has. We know what the Packers are. That. They beat a very banged up Rams team that doesn't have a good defense. Uh, I will say. This I, I actually am surprised I forgot this, but it's Carson Wentz is the guy that the Rams signed and cut Brett Rippin for. Right. And Brett Rippin now, as of like yesterday, is on the practice squad up north in Seattle. That's right. So uh, I feel like I, I heard that. You probably did. I didn't no really one, process no, no it. No one really it. cares. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but the fact that Carson Wentz is the guy the Rams signed is interesting. Maybe Stafford's going to be out for a little longer than we thought he would be. Um, I feel like Carson Wentz isn't your guy to go get if you want a backup who's a nice, you know, good old team player. Uh, but, look, eh, you know what? No, I'm still not thinking about it very much, clearly. Switching to the Commanders and Patriots. I got the Commanders on this one, and I was right. They I went on the road, the and wrong. they got the win against this Bill Belichick's Patriots. Let's talk about this Washington Commanders offense. They've got over 900 l- yards in their last two games. They're moving up and down the field. The points aren't necessarily showing it, but this offense, Jack, has kind of caught some fire in these last two, three weeks. And I think that's surprising for for people when you look at Sam Howell. Uh, There's some folks who love him and some folks who just think he's not very good. So This is, again, a situation where we need Drew to talk about Sam Howell because Drew's been on the Sam Howell train. Yeah, and he has. He's playing well. He's supported them. In so. uh, Washington, I mean, they've had the skill guys now for the last couple of years that they could do it with. But it's been quarterback and it's been O-line and some fumbling problems. But the offense, I mean, we, I think we kind of all agreed that, like, this is a solid unit on paper. Yeah. Jahan Dotson, you know, Scary Terry. Like, this is a good receiving core. Uh, And, yeah, when you have Brian Robinson and Gibson, Antonio Gibson, you have playmakers. It's whether you can utilize them. And they've kind of struck their groove in this last couple weeks. And the play calling has been there. And they've clearly found a formula that's worked. And they did it against the Patriots and and got the win. And if you're the Patriots and you're Bill Belichick, you're at two, two and seven now. Yeah, where do you where do you go from here? You lose some more games. That's what you do. You're gonna lose some more games and probably some more games. The Patriots might end up with a higher pick than we thought they they would, honestly. Uh, and we'll talk more about that as we get closer to the draft and closer to the end of the season. But uh, I'm not because sure it's, it's not Jones. good there in Foxborough right now. I don't think Mac Jones is starting a quarterback with the Patriots next year. Um, don't know who replaced them. Don't know if it's a draft pick. Don't know if it's a guy. It's over. But it's just not working. I'll and, tell you this. It's crazy. He'll be back with the Patriots next year for a third time around is Josh McDaniels. He's going he's gonna to be back. Oh, that's that's where I'm at. I mean, it's the most obvious thing ever. Yes, he's the offensive coordinator. They're the Patriots. Hey, 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 Josh, it's your old buddy Bill. All right. 
We're I'd love to have you back. We're having some offensive problems. I was wondering if you wanted to come and be our offensive coordinator again. Oh, yeah, no, I remember, actually, I, I'm sure you saw the story where I had to tell Antonio Pierce, hey, don't you ever talk about the Patriots like that because he started talking about when the Giants beat us that one time. I know, I know, I thought you'd see that and want me back, man, honestly. I mean, I, I honestly, you know, I, I don't even like being in Vegas. I don't know why I left in the first place. My bad, Bill. <laughs> All right, great, great to have you back, Josh. We'll, we'll draft some quarterback and give them, you know, DeMario Douglas as their wide receiver one or something. Have fun. All right. That's, that's how the conversation's going to go. Pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> Mac, Mac Jones is clearly not the answer, though. And it's weird to see him decline so much because you saw last year, he was pretty solid. He, he beat the Bills at least one time, maybe both times. I can't remember. He beat some great teams last year, and it looked like he was really progressing and the ceiling was going to be there. And he kind of rolled into the start of the season, and then we, we all saw the, the big questions. This offense just can't move the football, whether it's play calling, Mac Jones play, the O-line. It's, it, nothing's working. They're not doing anything well. And you really start to question, like you alluded to, how long is he going to be there? Because how many Mac Jones 200-yard Two interception, one interception, one touchdown games. Are we gonna see this year? We've seen a lot, and we're gonna see a lot more. Yeah, it's <laughs> I think lots of questions being raised. Patriots haven't done him any favors, and we know this. Like I said, you know, Demario Douglas and Devontae Parker are your you know top receivers right now. Kendrick Bourne is ACL tear. Much as I love Kendrick Bourne, he's you know he's now hurt, and mm-hmm. Kendrick Bourne is you know you know sometimes maybe sometimes. He's going to make some great plays for you, but he's not someone you can really rely on to do all that every single week. And as much as I think it's like insane that I'm going to say this, like them getting Dr. Daniels back would help Mac Jones a lot because they haven't even had an offensive mind running the offense in the last couple of years. Well, he has been set up to fail, and I really hope Mac Jones gets a shot somewhere else where there's an actual offensive coordinator and not just Bill Belichick's best friend from 20 years ago. Hey, Matt Patricia, you want to come call the offense? I know you're a defensive coach, and you were a terrible head coach with the Lions, and also, like, know nothing about offense. But, hey, come call our offense. Oh, that didn't work out. Hey, Joe Judge, you were our special teams guy that one time. You just ran a QB sneak on third and nine at your own three with the Giants last year. Want to come be our offensive coordinator? Great. Sounds great. Hopefully, like, like Josh McDaniels is bad, but Josh McDaniels is so much better. Then Matt Patricia and Joe Judge and everyone else Bill Belichick has decided to have called their offense in the last 20 years that hasn't been named Josh McDaniels. Yeah. So I, I, I want to see Mac Jones get a shot somewhere else, but it's not going to work out in New England. Right. Uh, I do too. I think the talent is definitely there. It's just not working out there. I think he needs a new change of scenery and a second chance for sure. Uh, switching over to Seattle and Baltimore. Yeah, what happened in this one? This one hurt. This one, like, <laughs> I was telling you guys, I don't remember as a Seahawks fan losing this bad before. I really don't. I know that we've got, just like every team, we've got blown out a couple scores and whatnot. But, I yeah, I can't remember, like, a 33-7 to ever before uh, in the time that I've been a fan watching Seattle. And this game, it was tough. I know we were watching in the first half and I was trying to not get mad and just keep it in check which which I did I wasn't you optimistic. I wasn't upset they they started off really terrible and just never got anything going but yeah like I said I don't I don't remember a time they got blown out this bad and it was just a comedy of errors uh, specifically I'm going to start with the offense Shane Waldron whatever you had going into this week game plan wise 
it was terrible. I'm sorry, but it sucked. Let's throw it away. Put it in the trash. Like you come out with that, and there's just nothing. There's not. There's not a whiff of anything. And you move on to Gino. Now Gino, I'm not gonna give you a TED talk about Gino, but I'm starting to get to that point, Jack, where I'm a little bit concerned. He's kind of going back to his New York days now. He's got eight interceptions in his last four games. He's not looked like the Geno that played last year and started this year beating the teams like the Lions. That was one of his best games that I've ever seen. And then he just goes on this month's stretch where he just looks lethargic out there. And I get it. Your O-line's been banged up. The play calling has been pretty bad. We're not sticking to the things that we do well. We run the football well. We run those two, three tight end sets really well. Play action. That's that's the strong suit of this team. And we're just not sticking with it, and that's the problem. Like Kenneth Walker in the entire game has nine carries, and you're down a bazillion, and he has nine carries. Like You expect to run the football when you're down that much, and he's just not being a factor in these games. And, yeah, you would like to see the tight ends more involved with the play action. That's what we're good at, and it just feels like we've abandoned that. Yeah, I mean, I think that even last year it was kind of a thing where when you ask Keno Smith to do too much, you kind of figure yourself in a bad position. Geno Smith did a really good job last year, but like at the same time, Geno Smith isn't this top five quarterback. He's a top, you know, 12, 15 quarterback. And I would say top 10 when yeah, he's on his game. When he's on his game, yeah. And it's that you can't put everything in Geno's hands. No. And the Ravens kind of forced Seattle to put everything in Geno's hands. And for whatever reason, DK Metcalf has been a disappearing act this year. And it was like that a couple years back when in Russell Wilson's final year, where DK Metcalf just has been a non-factor recently. Mm-hmm. And Tyler Lockett's not getting any younger. And for as steady as he is, he's now, what, 31, 32, which at this point in this day and age, that is an old wide receiver. Yeah. And there's there's a lot of kind of soul-searching, I think, that needs to be done by Seattle offensively because defensively, you know, like, like this is a bad performance, but sometimes you just have bad days. Sometimes you have days where Lamar Jackson runs all over you, Keaton Mitchell is well, that that yeah. was some juice. Like, yeah. I'm not nearly as worried about Seattle defense right now, right? As I am about the inconsistencies of this offense, because there's a good chance they come out this week against Washington and blow the barn off the whatever the Lumen Field. And that's what it's called now, right? Yeah, um, that is what it's called. They like blow, <laughs> they blow the non-existent roof off the yeah. Field, maybe right. take the roof off of you know T-Mobile. Washington's Field. Yeah, take off T-Mobile Park next to it. Yeah, and I don't know. I don't think Washington has a roof, but the Mariners do. Yeah, take the one off the Mariners Stadium. But it's an inconsistent offense, and we've seen that. All, it's kind of been like that all year, where that you don't know what you're going to get week to week with the Seahawks offense right now, which really wasn't the case last year. No. Most weeks, they gave you a lot. It was a defense that was going to lose in games. And they're improved defensively this year. Not to this great extent, but they're improved. And the, the inconsistency of this offense, because sometimes Gino's being left with way too much on his platter, mm-hmm. and DK Metcalf has been a bit of a disappearing act at points this year. JSN hasn't gotten the targets that we expected him to get. And when you have a banged up O-line, it's hard to run the football with anybody. And I'll, I'll say this, too. I am not. Sure, I don't think you're going to like this. but You go for it. Zach Charbonnet is, or I would say, I guess, well, Kenneth Walker is in danger getting some snaps taken away from Zach, by Zach Charbonnet here. Because Zach Charbonnet has been the guy with the juice this year for the Seattle Seahawks. Yeah. Not no. to say Kenneth Walker hasn't been good, because he has been. No, but no. Charbonnet's been better, I think. I, I, I can see the argument for sure. And just going back, you know, 
yeah, it, it's it's definitely frustrating to watch. I don't completely understand it. It's the same play caller. It's the same offense. Why are we struggling so bad to do the things that we're good at? And I, I don't understand it, why it's the same kind of result as last month. It's it's almost like we just have identical identical game plans planned for all of these teams. And I just really don't understand it. Like You don't stick with the run game throughout an entire game. You run the ball effectively for maybe half a game in these games and then just abandon the run. And you're right. It's concerning with Metcalf because you saw one target, 50 yards. He needs more than one target in a game like this. I get that you're down, but guys, come on. Like This is your, your big... Megatron guy and he gets one target like that's just not gonna cut it unfortunately and I don't know if JSM was the right decision that remains to be seen I like that he has six targets in this game but where are the rest of the targets for the other receivers like everyone else has one it's you know great we get JSM involved but you get blown out by 35 points so yeah this offense is in a, in a world of hurry right now and I think this commander's game is a big chance for a makeup. If they don't expose this commander's defense, who's, by the way, if I remember correctly, they're either 28th or 29th allowing wide receivers. Their secondary has been terrible against wide receivers. Uh, just getting exposed by the likes of A.J. Brown, so-and-so, and so-and-so. Like, they just get exposed. And you're right. They lose, uh, they lose Chase Young and Sweat. Two of their best pass rushers. Like, if we don't take advantage of this offensively, I don't know that there's another game you can. So, it'll be interesting to see. I don't want to get too much more into it. I think the defense, uh, this was a tough game. We knew that. Baltimore, Lamar Jackson, he didn't have a great, like, not, not sorry, I should rephrase that. He didn't have a game where he just wows you. You're going to look at the stats, 187 passing. Wow, I mean, that's it's all right. It's nothing special. But it's the players around him in this game. And Keon Mitchell just kind of sprung out of nowhere. Yeah, that was some juice. And that was like, oh, my goodness. There was a lot of speed. I'm not sure what Keon Mitchell's combine numbers, if he even was invited to the combine. Right, can we get a drug test? <laughs> that guy, that guy was, uh, he was blown <laughs> by Seahawks defenders. Yeah. And the thing is, it's, uh, I mean, I'll say this, too. It is so easy to be running back in that Ravens offense. Because all you got to do, if you're taking a read option, you, you have the defense is worried about, well, Lamar Jackson is doing with the football. And still, once you have the ball, they're like, does he have it? Does, does he, where's Lamar? Uh, <laughs> and, and that's your tackle thing. him. <laughs> so, but that's the thing. Lamar didn't do anything special in this game, and that's what makes Lamar so special. That he didn't do anything crazy in this game. He just he his his presence. Okay, Lamar Jackson's on the field. What is Lamar Jackson doing? And in this game, Lamar Jackson was basically used as a decoy. He did what he just you know made the passes he had to, had the runs he needed. You know he wanted to make, and then gave the ball to Gus Edwards, gave the ball to Keaton Mitchell, and. That run game is just so ridiculously hard to stop, and it's such a you know it's a way more well coordinated run game than it was with Greg Roman and whatever the hell Greg Roman was cooking up mm -hmm. up in that booth up at the bank. Um, it's way more coordinated, and there's a lot more thought put into it, and it's that's that's about as tough a run game to stop as there's there is in the NFL. There has been in the NFL for a couple years now. Yeah, they're starting to look like this 2000s Ravens team. I know a lot of people are seeing that right now, and they're proving it out there. They're they're kind of in their league of their, of their own. Like after this performance, you almost have to consider them like a Super Bowl contender this far. Like Lamar's putting a great campaign up for MVP. 
and this Baltimore team is is hard to play against. They're Baltimore, they're tough, especially at home. Yeah, especially at home. home games, especially at home. You've got a blow win against the coming into it five and one Detroit. The Lions. leaders of the NFC North and the leaders in the NFC West at the time. Yeah, and that's that's the thing. Like, it's not like they're doing this to scrub teams. Mm-hmm. When the Baltimore Ravens are at home, they are destroying really good teams. It's almost like they feed off of that crowd. And like, if the Ravens so much. get that number one seed, which is possible, they currently don't currently don't have it. I don't believe, but no, the Chiefs do. They're game back and. That's going to be a scary place to go into. But also, you know what? We said this in 2019. We know what happened then. Mm-hmm. So, it's, don't let the Titans get hot. Look out. <laughs> <laughs> don't, let, don't let Derrick Henry and the Titans get hot. Yeah. Uh, Buccaneers, Texans. I got the Texans in this one. I got this one right. So, let's go. Texans finally got one. Yes. Uh, CJ Stroud just keeps balling out, man. What can you say? 470 yards, five touchdowns. Absolutely ridiculous numbers. This guy is something special. And I know that Bryce Young has not had the supporting cast and we haven't really been able to see what he's capable of. But, man, you got to tip your hat to C.J. Stroud and what he's been able to do this year. It's as impressive of a rookie campaign as I've ever seen. Yeah, and what's so incredible about this is that, like, C.J. Stroud, you know, we all knew the talent coming into this is that, okay, he's got a good arm, he can move around. And your question was always, okay, this guy at Ohio State had three first-round receivers. Right. And, you know, it's not hard in a college NFL, in college NFL, <laughs> in, in, in the Big Ten where you're Olave, playing. Olave, Harrison. You know, you're playing against, there's two teams in the Big Ten who really ever give you that much competition, which yeah. is Michigan and Penn State. And Penn State last year wasn't anything super special. Mm-hmm. So you're playing against these Big Ten defenses, which, you know what, I'll say this, Big Ten defenses are bad. You got Iowa in there. Like, but when you got Marvin Harrison Jr. and Chris Olave and Emeka Ibuka, will probably be a first-rounder this year. And you had JSN. Yeah, you had, JSN. You had all these weapons. And that was the question. It's like, you know, all these all these Ohio State guys, you know, they get drafted, and then it's like, oh, the, all of a sudden the weapons aren't there. Things don't go as well. Their anticipation levels aren't there. They just don't have it. But guess CJ what? CJ Stroud comes out, and he has all of that there. And you know what? It helps. He's got receivers, too, here. Yes. But nowhere close, you know, this isn't like this insane group like he had at Ohio State where you've got, like I said, three, four first-round receivers. Mm-hmm. But... His anticipation levels are so good, and that's what makes him stand out so much. He's a rookie quarterback who throws with the anticipation of a veteran. And the thing is, though, you hear that a lot about quarterbacks. Okay, this rookie quarterback is really smart. Or, 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 mm-hmm. keyword or, this rookie quarterback has really good arm talent or is really, you know. Not both, running. not both. There's rarely both. Yeah. And that's what makes C.J. Stroud so special. Is he's yeah. a rookie quarterback who has you know, the, the, the mental stuff of the game down, the anticipation stuff of the game down. Who also has this arm talent because that's that's the thing. Is whatever, whatever like one of these again, I'm bringing up Brock Purdy as an example here. Whenever one of these guys that comes out of the blue and has a good run, like like for instance Brock Purdy, it's always oh he's really smart. He he's, you know he plays like a veteran, right? C.J. Stroud plays like a veteran, and also has the arm talent mm-hmm. and has all this talent, and that's what makes him so good. I kind of just said the same thing twice, but. We're gonna go past that for now. <laughs> can, can can he win MVP at this rate? If the Texans get hot here, he could. But that's the thing. I don't think the Texans are gonna win enough games because there isn't enough talent. Do you think? Team yet. Do you think that the Texans have to be good, or do you think that he can still win it just having these performances? You're not gonna win MVP if you're not in the playoffs. Uh, it's just not gonna happen, especially the quarterback. Yeah. Uh, you know, the NFL is one of the. It's win first is what matters. CJ Stroud can go, you know, oh for whatever. Texans are ten and seven. Mm-hmm. You know, it's better than CJ Stroud would go and do what he's doing right now and win six games. So at least I don't think card. they're going to. At least a wild card. Yeah, um, 
And with that said, there is not a clear frontrunner for MVP right now. And CJ Stroud, with some more performance, is not even close to the way he played against Tampa. That was insane. But just playing like how he is and getting this Texans team to maybe 9-10 wins, if no one really jumps out these next eight weeks, yeah, there's definitely a chance. Mm-hmm. That would be something. I mean, I, as, I can't remember. Who's the last rookie? There isn't. There, there, there isn't. isn't yeah. So that's there. You go. I, I didn't think there was, but I no, just wanted to make it's sure. Not a, it's not a th- not a thing that happens. I mean, you see like rookie running backs be very good all the time, and rookie receivers, like especially we just saw Jefferson and Jamar Chase turn into the top five receivers Puka this year. But this doesn't happen to quarterbacks. Quarterbacks don't come out of college ever as good as CJ Stroud has been this year. I mean, Herbert was pretty good, but even Herbert was not even close to this good. Herbert was one of those guys that he was the art of talent, but there's so much more to develop mentally with the processing of the game. The reading of defense, has yeah. And then when you look at all these rookies, even Burrow when he came out, like Burrow had the processing but never really got the throws to go, and he, you know, he figured it out pretty quickly. But C.J. Stroud has both. He's got weapons, but not these insane weapons, but good weapons. And it, this defense, like, I'm, I'm a D'Amico Ryan's believer for obvious reasons. The defense is going to figure it itself out. might not be, even be this year, but he's there's going to be something built there, and it's going to come around the linebackers just like how it did in San Francisco. They haven't, yeah, they yeah. haven't had that yet. Daryl Singley's back. That helps. And that secondary is good. Yeah. The front seven needs some work, and I have no reason to believe that they're not going to be able to build that front seven as time goes on. Yeah. I, I haven't heard Will Anderson's name very much this year. Yeah, that's been the one thing that has been a little weird with that team, but I still think it's going to work out. Um, yeah. yeah. We'll see. Uh, but they have their guy at quarterback, and that is that's all the that most matters. important thing. Yes, that's all, that's all that matters. Looking at the Cardinals and the Browns, Cardinals... Drop a drop a whopping zero points, and move to one and eight on the season, and the Browns, they do what the Browns have been doing, just playing dominant, dominant football, and they shut out the Cardinals twenty-seven to zero at home, and if you're the Browns, you're in a division in the NF or the AFC North that's, it's right there for anyone to take right now. I think, all five, all four teams. Uh, are within a game or two. I know Baltimore is leading the division, but I think the Browns, Steelers, and um, and Bengals are what are they? Five and three. Steelers are five and three right now. Ravens seven and two. Bengals five and three. Yeah. So there you go. Steelers, Bengals, Browns, all five and three. That's a fun division to watch, and it's gonna come down to the wire. Yeah, I think these divisional games are gonna be those fun. Those are gonna be great. It starts this week. This weekend with the the Baltimore Ravens and the Browns. Yes. That's going to be fun. That's a huge game. I'll say in regards to this game, Browns defense, we've already known how incredible it is, but uh, Clayton Toon, not good. Don't know why Arizona thought this would be a good idea. I guess um, you're a one in seven. You're like, all right, yeah, Josh Dobbs, not here anymore. Just find a random person and yeah, go about know. go about the year trying yeah. to get trying to get the picks. But well, I'm excited to see what Kyle Murray does when he comes back, but that was, that was rough. Uh, in terms of the AFC North, the issue for Cleveland right now, is that they've already lost one to Baltimore. So a second loss to Baltimore this week would take division hopes pretty far down the drain. Um, especially because that loss was a, that was a home loss. So this game is in Baltimore at the bank where the Ravens have been way, way better. Um, I don't like the Browns' chances at a division. But they also I can see them winning. They do have a win against Cincinnati. But they also have a loss against Pittsburgh. So... What's probably going to end up happening is we're probably going to have two wildcard teams in this division, if not all three, honestly. <laughs> and I think the Browns have the best chance, unfortunately, for them as being the odd one out. 
just because of the fact that they, outside of against Cincinnati, don't play well in this division. Mm-hmm. Um, the Steelers have always, you know, Steelers and Browns own inches that dates back a long time ago. Um, and the Ravens have beaten the Browns pretty easily recent, in recent years. For whatever reason, Joe Burrow can't figure them out. But the Browns just don't match up well against two of the three teams in their division, and that's a problem. But also, when you look at this, okay, you know what? Steelers still have to play the Ravens once. Steelers, I believe, still have two against the Bengals. This division is going to be so, like, this is easily the most entertaining division because also all these teams hate each other. Right. Like, it's not like one of those divisions where, like, okay, like, it's only, like, the, you know. You it's can, probably you the most tell, physical division in like, football. Yeah, like, you know, if you're watching, like, the AFC and NFC South, like, okay, those fan bases hate each other, but, like, no one outside of those divisions really notices it, right? The AFC North, you can see there is so much hate Bad flying blood. back and forth. We saw it a couple years, a couple years ago with uh, Miles Garrett and Rudolph. Yeah, that, that whole game. Bad scenario there. Yeah, but like that's like, just an example. But even now, like Miles Garrett's being asked, "Oh, who do you think's better, Joe Burrow or Lamar Jackson?" He's saying Joe Burrow. And now there's like, "Oh, this is Ravens bulletin board material right here." Going into the week against the Ravens, Miles Garrett thinks Joe Burrow is better than Lamar Jackson. Is he wrong? Who knows? I don't know. But. Like, there's just so much happening here. One thing I want to talk about for a minute is Kyler Murray. Uh, when he comes back, I'll be very interested to see because, honestly, with just talking with you, Jack, I think he could be a player by the end of the year that a lot of teams call for and a lot of teams who need a quarterback. And one of those teams being Seattle. Hilarious. Hear me out. Hilarious. It's an in-division team. Hilarious. Which happens. We saw Bobby Wagner. We see Richard Sherman. Seattle likes to give away a lot of their players for in-division teams. It's just been something that's been kind of the history in the last four or five years. Uh, so I want to entertain the thought that, who knows, maybe after at the end of the year, depending on how things go, we might put in – a little tad bit of a call for Kyler Murray. I, and that would be really interesting. I could see a call. The issue yeah. is, the first off, Bobby Wagner and Richard Sherman, great players. Richard Sherman and Bobby Wagner both. I would, Sherman more so than Wagner. Sherman still near the peak of his career. That's, you know He was not the Sherman he was in Seattle. He was still very no. good. Bobby Wagner, uh, kind of you know a little more off the edge a little bit. But he's still elite. Either way, those players are not quarterbacks. And that is the difference with Kyler Murray. And the other difference is those guys signed elsewhere. Bobby yeah. Wagner was like, you know what? I kind of I didn't like the way Seattle treated me this year. I'm gonna go sign with the Rams to kind of give it to him. Right. right. Richard Sherman. Yeah. Wasn't really as much like a give it to him type of thing. It was just the Niners made the best offer for him. But again, he was a free agent. Kyler Murray's got three years left on his deal. Mm-hmm. Um, first off, the money situation there of having you know Smith under contract and Kyler Murray under contract. That'd be like eighty million dollars to quarterbacks. Right. Uh, we'll I think Geno's expires either next year or the year after. Geno's got a three-year deal. I'm not sure what the outs look like. Mm. I'm sure the Seahawks have some sort of insurance in there. Yeah. Based off the fact that it was there, you know, he's been paid for one good year. They would have to, but, for sure. Um, I think it's interesting to talk about. It is interesting. It, make, it makes sense. It makes so much sense. Because we need a quarterback. If Kyle Murray wasn't the, in the division. Yeah. The future is not Geno Smith. We know that. He's only going to have a couple more years left. We're not going to extend him. There's no way at 30-whatever that we're going to extend them. I, I, I just don't see it happening. And we have Drew Locke as a backup. I don't know how high I am on him right now. I, I'd shouldn't ra- be very high. No, I, I'd rather have 
a bunch of other people would. Anyways, I thought I should entertain that because it is interesting to think about. Yeah, so it is interesting. Uh, the other thing is the Cardinals, there is no guarantee the Cardinals even shot Kyler this offseason. I think it comes down to you know what pick they end up getting. As of right now, they're going to get one. And if they do get one, I think Caleb Williams is a Cardinal. But and then anything goes wrong. And then what do you do, though, then? That's the thing. Is any, anything goes wrong where you don't get number one, mm-hmm. I don't think you get rid of Kyler. I don't think, like, they're not going to trade Kyler. So how much money would players. they have to take on, do you think? Um, it's going to be a lot. And that's why I don't really think they should do it. Uh, unless Kyler comes out and really doesn't look like himself in these final eight weeks of the season. And obviously, this is a little bit of a showcase for Kyler. I mean, he's going to get paid either way. But, like, I don't think the Cardinals can sit here and actually move on from Kyler Murray. I just, I, I can't see it happening. He's too good. And I don't, as much as someone, like, I was, you know, all the jokes and stuff about him playing, they're, they're funny. I get it. They're, they are they are true. They're funny. They are true. Like, but he is such a good quarterback. And he's, I mean, he's led that team to a lot of wins. That fall-off wasn't on him in 2021. The, the team being bad last year was not on him. He didn't play great by any means. But it's not like that team, it was a badly coached team the entire way around. Like, that is a really, really good quarterback. And when you have a guy like Kyler Murray on your roster, I just, I have no clue how you can validate. Okay, we have this guy who was like an MVP of the league at one point for a little while. It fell off a little bit towards the end of that season. But, like, this guy's really, really good. And it's proven that multiple times in multiple seasons. And we're going to, you know, get rid of him for an unknown at the end yeah. of the day. Caleb Williams, great prospect. Best prospect since Trevor Lawrence. Mm-hmm. Pretty easily, right? Yeah. But, unknown. It's the NFL. Number one picks, number one prospects, they fail all the time. Mm-hmm. And that is just, just so, I just can't see it. Yeah. Well, I guess we'll find out. Uh, moving on to the Panthers and Colts. Panthers dropped to one and seven. Colts moved to four and five. Uh, not too much for me to say on this one. I didn't I didn't watch it. But, yeah, yeah. if you're the Colts, you have to be... You have to be pleased with what's what's going on. You lose your your guy and Anthony Richardson at the start of the year, and here you are at four and five, kind of a middle lingo uh, part of the season here, where you're right around the cusp of making a run for the division, but still not quite there yet. Uh, it's we'll see what happens with them, but they they still are finding ways to win football games. Yeah, the Colts. I mean, they were one of the worst offensive teams in the league last year with Matt Ryan at quarterback. And you make the change. Okay, Gardner Minshew's playing quarterback really most of this time. And the Colts are now all of a sudden one of the best offenses in the NFL. They haven't put up less than 20. They're the only team that hasn't put up less than 20 in a game this year. With really the only change in being a quarterback, and it's not like this has been some huge upgrade. It says a lot about what Shane Steichen has done for this franchise. And on the flip side, and this is perfect game to talk about this with, Frank Reich. Not a good coach. And I think Frank Reich is the next guy on my agenda of guys I just don't think should be coaching the NFL right now. Josh McDaniels was that guy for a while. He's gone. That's been settled. Frank Reich is next on this list. Frank Reich has made the Carolina offense and the Carolina Panthers look terrible after making the Indianapolis Colts look terrible. Clearly, the Colts, talent-wise, were not that bad. They're showing it right now. There was one change offensively. The O-line went from being really good, and then Frank Reich came in, and the O-line was bad. And then now Frank Reich is gone, the only lines are good again. And the Panthers fi- finally kind of figured out the O-line. They had their, like, franchise left tackle. And then Frank Reich comes in. And now the O-line can't block. 
the franchise left tackle all of a sudden doesn't look like a franchise left tackle, and you have a rookie quarterback playing terribly. I, I don't, I didn't like the Frank Reich hire at first because like it seemed just like a really lazy retread hire, mm-hmm. and it's it's not working. It's it, no, it's not working. It's not working, and I don't I don't see it changing, Jack. I really don't. I think they're gonna go on to this year. It's gonna be between them and the Cardinals. And, and one thing, like we, I, we were watching like, for Seattle. the worst record. Yeah, and like when we were watching like Seattle and like some of those games this past week, I kept telling you I hate screen passes where it's one guy out in front blocking because, yeah, yeah, okay, great. They're just not effective. It's just like, like unless you have a really, really good, good run blocker guy out there, blocker first blocker, and also a really, really good receiver out there, like an AJ Brown or a DK Metcalf or a Debo, someone who's built to do stuff like that, it generally doesn't work. No. So when you're throwing those. To Adam Thielen, who's or whoever else on the receiving core who's not built for that. First off, at least try giving it to Jonathan Mingo if they do that. But it's like, anyway, either way, don't like it. When you're giving those to Adam Thielen, I just don't know what you're expecting. I don't know what you want Bryce Young to do. I don't know what you want your offensive line to do. I don't know, like, you're, you're setting your guys up for failure. Right. No, it's it's not good what's going on there. It's You really don't really have words. And if you're a Panthers fan... Yeah, it must be tough. I, I couldn't imagine you get the first overall pick and you're feeling so pumped about the season. And as these weeks have turned into months, it's just been real disappointment there. Uh, speaking of disappointment, <laughs> uh, uh, man, I feel bad for you, Drew. Uh, the Giants, they go on the road to Las Vegas and the Raiders take it 30-6. to six. This was not a pretty one. I don't think this next week in Dallas is going to be a pretty one either for the Giants. And where do we start from here, Jack? Uh, Tommy DeVito is now the guy. A guy who lives at home and has his mom. You know what? I respect Tommy DeVito so much for that. He is living smarter. I I mean, I I respect it too. At least he's honest. It'll make it even more funny if he's able to somehow pull off some magic. And uh, I don't know what goes into Tommy DeVito's lifestyle doing that. It's, you know, you're in the NFL. You 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 clearly got money to pay for some place. You know, you can, you know, know, get away, uh, get away a little bit. But football wise. When you you lose to Aiden O'Connell and this Raiders offense, who. With Jimmy G, it's just it doesn't matter what quarterback they have, they just can't they can't find a system. That's that's their problem. Is it's been so inconsistent offensively that they've just struggled this year mightily. And granted, their defense I think is is legit. Yeah, they've they've maybe struggled, but I see them as a top fifteen defense for sure. Uh, they've they've got some playmakers and. I think they're underrated. It's it's the offense that I think is really letting them down. And if you're the Giants, you go into this game, you just there has to be a, a level of compete here. There has to be some sort of push to get these guys fired up before the game. It just looks like whenever I watch these Giants games, it's almost like there's nothing to play for for these guys. There's limited effort, uh, guys not tackling well, not wrapping up, giving up on plays. And I would be frustrated for sure. They've been in this position before and quite... It felt like they gotten out of it. Yeah, quite recently. Uh, last year was a great year. They, they snuck into the wild card. They beat the Vikings. 
and we were thinking, okay, maybe this is a new era for the Giants, but that just it hasn't been the case. And I was talking to uh, Kobe at the gym. Shout out Kobe, he's a Giants fan. None of these off-season acquisitions panned out. I'm going to disagree on that. I'm going to say Bobby O'Karake has panned out. Bobby okay. O'Karake okay. has Yes, yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. Besides him. I yes. Okay. I like Bobby. Okay. But. <laughs> Besides okay. him. Yeah. yeah. Like, you get Darren Waller. All right. He's made out of Charmin Ultrasama, it seems like. This, this past year and a half has just been riddled with injuries. His best friend is the IR, and he frankly just hasn't lived up to what we've seen from him in the last three, four years. Yeah, the thing with Waller is that he hasn't produced when he's been on the field. And he didn't really last year either, which is why it felt no. kind of counterproductive. But he was also injured training. for a lot of the season last year because yeah. I had him on IR in my fantasy <laughs> leagues. I know this. And so, yeah, and you get Isaiah Simmons for a bag of potato chips, and that's what he's playing like. There's a reason it was a bag of potato chips. Yeah, that's what he's playing like. It, it feels like for the Giants, none of the guys they brought in besides Bobby, put some respect on him, have really added anything to this team. They're, they're kind of just the same old uh, Giants as, you know, me and Drew talk about, yeah. and we, we talk about. Uh, you got to be happy with Deontay Banks on the, on the defensive side. Oh, he did not have a good game in this one particularly. No, I, I, I didn't watch, but I'm... He, uh, so, obviously, when you're watching the Giants at this point in the season, we're watching to see what... You're watching for the young guys. Yeah. Well, okay, I take that back. I watched a little bit, but I, I don't know how well, he so played specifically. He, he wasn't... He, it was generally a fine game, but there was one play, Kobe Myers just hooks him on a release. Uh, slant route, Jacoby Myers really, I mean, Jacoby Myers is one of the best release guys in the game. And just absolutely cooked him on a slant route. Cooked just really good release. And then a couple plays later, Trey Tucker just runs past him. And for what I've watched of Deontay Banks, he's been very good. That was not his best showing. Um, but yeah, generally he's been good. The issue with the Giants is that their secondary is supposed to be the strength of the defense, and it's been inconsistent. Bobby Okereke has been really good recently, but hadn't been very good until maybe that Buffalo game. And, but even still defensively, like the defense isn't the problem. They win. They win games, like you know, with the defense. And they keep they, them in games yeah, that they shouldn't be in. The defense can keep them in games as long as you don't give the defense disadvantages. And when you're turning the ball yeah, over that many times in a exactly. game, and the defense gets tired, they've been on the field for 20, 30 minutes. Uh, there's not that's what that's what's gonna happen. Yeah, fatigue is natural. Happens to any defense, especially in the second half. Uh, you get to the end of that third quarter, the clock's just ticking, ticking. Fourth quarter rolls around. These guys are dog tired because they've been on the field the entire game. Yeah, they've been on the field and they have not been put in advantageous situations when they've been on the field. You know, bad field position, all these things are like Think a lot of things are going wrong for the Giants' offense to the point that it is affecting this defense very negatively because this defense is not as bad as the numbers look. But I think the worst thing that happened in this game, Daniel Jones goes down on a sack, you know, gets signed by Max Crosby, he takes a minute to get up, holding his knee, and you send him back out there after evaluating him, clearly injured, and then he just takes a couple steps back and the knee gives out. That should never happen. Ever. No. Um... I don't know what Granted, the Giants saw. I didn't I didn't see the play live, but I saw I saw the replay on Instagram when he went back in. And yeah, I, I, I completely agree. Like 
whether he's telling them he's fine, that's like it doesn't matter at that point. You gotta you gotta evaluate it for what it is, and that's just you're right. It can't happen. You know that whoever whoever doctor okayed his knee to go back into that game, that can't ever happen. Like, there's no way. Like whatever happened, like you're not tearing your ACL on a drop back. Even if it wasn't fully torn before that, you're not tearing your ACL on a regular drop back. And so, I don't think he would be fighting and fighting and fighting to try to get back into that game anyways. We don't know what was said, but personally, if I was in his position, I'm not going to say, oh, my God, but I'm not going to be like, oh, yeah, it's 100%. You know, put me back put me back out there right away. Like, if something's, like, wrong and that's your knee you're talking about, like, that's long-term injury. Yeah, and that's the thing is that whatever process went down in the tent when they looked at it, whatever he said, whatever they saw – um, I mean, I'm not clearly gonna, didn't check we're, it. We're not men majors, you know. We're here for journalism. There's yeah. there's, a, there's a med school down the street, but we bet that's just it's not so that it's not acceptable. It just can't happen. It's yeah. Not acceptable. Yeah. And I feel terrible for Daniel Jones because this very well could be his last shot in a Giants jersey and maybe the NFL. And that is just a it terrible, sucks. terrible way for that to happen. Um, in terms of how Tommy DeVito did as his replacement, not good. It's not gonna be good. Um, but no, we didn't. I don't think any of us thought the Giants, even if we didn't think they'd repeat their success from last year, I don't think any of us thought they'd be in contention to get Caleb Williams. But they're right there. Uh, they're gonna. They can't, you know, control their own destiny here necessarily, in terms of lose out and get them. But I mean, like they're they're gonna get a top pick, and I think that it needs to be taken. It needs to go to a quarterback. Um, you you ha- you have an out on Daniel Jones after next year. So you'll have one year of having to pay Daniel Jones and having to pay like a quarterback, which obviously isn't ideal, but I think you got to get it done. Yeah, and whatever's whatever's there is clearly not working, and this was one of those years where it was a build off year from last year. Like, all right, you make it into playoffs, okay, you get a wild card win, all right, let's see what we can do this season. Let's build off of that. Yeah, maybe maybe. Make the playoffs again. <laughs> get, Crazy idea, right? <laughs> get get into the wild card, be the wild card, win a division game. Okay, build off of that the next year. Not saying it works like that, but that's kind of the mindset and where the team should play, and we just haven't seen that. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, and like I said, defense is a lot better, I think, than the numbers show. But the offense hasn't helped them, and now you're without a quarterback. Tony Daniel Jones is playing well, but now you are truly without a quarterback. Yeah, it's not going to be pretty. Uh, sticking with the NFC East, we had the Dallas Cowboys take on the Philadelphia Eagles. And this was one of the best games I've ever seen Dak Prescott play, Jack. Uh, he was on it right from the start. Three touchdowns, over 350 yards. It was one of those games that Dak Prescott has every so often where you look at him and you say, wow, he can be elite when he wants to. He can hang with the best defenses. He can be efficient and move the ball and score with this Cowboys offense. And it was it was one of those games, and we saw it. This Philly defense is is tough. Like I know we talked about, I talked about the Browns and the Ravens as being one of the best, and the Chiefs are right up there. But this Eagles defense is, I mean, it's as tough as it gets as well. You got playmakers on every single level. Uh, they bring in Kevin Byard to add some help where they don't even need help. Like it's it's ridiculous what how he's cooking up. Like yeah, I don't know why teams keep trading with him yeah. because 
He's not losing trades. No, he's willing. He's winning. And going back to what I was saying, Dak Prescott was a foot and a half, a yard away from winning this game. He doesn't step out with one to two inches of his foot on that two-point conversion. They just need a field goal, and they were in field goal range with 45 seconds left. They were. Uh, Tony Ferguson. Oh, wait, no, sorry. Caleb Ferguson. Caleb Ferguson. No, wait. That's a pitcher. Jake Ferguson. Jake Ferguson. <laughs> <laughs> Caleb Ferguson pitched for the One Dodgers of the Ferguson's. Tony is. Yes. Who, who was Tony? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, Ferguson. I'm just going to call Ferguson. He goes down half a yard back into the end zone. That's a major. Uh, they go ahead. Instead, they turn the ball over. And you just look at plays like that, and it's like, wow, a yard and a half can really determine a football game. That's what they say. Football games, doesn't matter if you win by an inch or a mile, a win is a win. And that, that's what it was. The Cowboys had chances to, to win, and they couldn't get it done. But you have to be encouraged if you're the Cowboys. You go into a hostile territory, and you compete, and you put up a very respectable performance against a really good Philadelphia Eagles team. Yeah, what sucks for Dallas is that they played about as well as they could possibly play in Philly, at Lincoln Financial Field, and they lost. And I mean, what changes? What what how what makes how can they? How do you get that? better from that? You don't know. Uh, they did, and in this in typical Cowboys fashion, they just found the weirdest ways to to lose this game because yeah, if Dak doesn't step out there and gets in, this is a whole different game, but. I don't know what goes through Mike McCarthy's mind in red zone situations and whenever there's like less than two minutes left. Like yeah, you've talked to me about that. I just don't know what's happening in Mark, Mike McCarthy's brain where he like, because Mike, like Mike McCarthy, we all give him a lot of crap and whatever. He's a pretty solid offensive mind, right? Like he knows what he's doing. He's a, he needs a lot of talent to get it done, but he knows what he's doing well enough. Yeah. Okay, sure. For whatever reason, it just stops clicking when things get really kind of rough. And... It's kind of like the same thing that they do every time in these situations. They get down there. They have no problem getting down there. But they have problems. Once they get to about like the 40, the 30, things get weird. I don't know. Things, things, things get, get weird. weird. Things get wacky. <laughs> Dak Prescott starts doing some weird things. They, they start, you know, oh, the clock? We don't know how to manage that. What's that? Like, I, and this is just another really good example of that. There is no world where that final pass isn't in the end zone. No world where that's not going to the end zone. I get it. You're giving your guy a chance. CeeDee Lamb is the guy you want to throw it to. Throw it to CeeDee Lamb in the end zone. It just has to be. It can't be short. That you're giving yourself one thing to do. Okay, let's get it. Let's throw it to the end zone. That's our best shot. And you, you're not giving your guy a chance if it's, if it's short. And I think we've just seen that so many times this season, it feels like. Whether it's the last play of the game on fourth down or you need a touchdown, these teams are just not finding a way to give their guys a shot. And you need to in that situation. Like, a check down for five yards is not going to get the job done. And I get that it's the first read and it's the easy, hot route. It's your, your check down and it's open, but it needs to go into the end zone. That's the only way. I'd rather have it picked off in the end zone than have it short. Exactly. The the throw, it has to get there. I under, you know what? I, I get it. You know, Hail Mary from the 40 doesn't reach there. Okay, cool, whatever. But... This is obviously like it was within the thirty. This is a makeable throw. It, I get the Philly had like eight defenders stacked in there. It has there. It has to be in the end zone. It just has to be. And 
this is just you know just another episode of Dallas Cowboys. And especially because CD Lamb, you have to feel confident. Eleven receptions for one ninety yards, like you know, some of them were were yak catches where he got lots of yards, but he was making contested catches everywhere. Like it would make probable sense that he was the last guy that was able to make a play, and we just didn't see it, unfortunately. Yeah, and that's that's just where Dallas is at right now. This is obviously a really good team, but they have a lot of blow ups. First off. <laughs> They have a lot of blow-ups. They, they, wow. they can't we, figure things uh, out. <laughs> we're going to take a time out. We just, I just checked the score because we uh, I was checking it a couple minutes ago. And the Arizona State Sun Devils just beat the UCLA Bruins in football, 17-7. Yeah. No one saw that one. I don't know what the wow. line was for this one. In, But, uh, yeah. Chip California. Kelly, man. Chip Kelly, what, what's going on over there, Chip? In L.A. That's That's wild. What is going on? Oh, Chip Kelly. The, so they he never failed. They find a way to win a game after losing the last six or whatever it is. Well, they beat what they beat. Uh, they beat Washington State at home a couple weeks ago. Okay. And then you go to Utah last week, losing the last like six out of seven. <laughs> and you, you give up fifty five to Utah. Yeah, blown out by the Utes. Yeah. So you, and Utah just lost to Washington today, which like isn't a bad thing. Everyone everyone has lost to Washington this year, but, um, you know. You, like you talk, you get about fifty five, but the defense, this ASU defense, is really good. That's that's the thing they have going for them right now. Um, yeah, that's that's it. <laughs> yeah, we'll, I mean, the starting the starting quarterback tonight well, was technically starting tight end Jalen Conner. Yeah, we'll get back to you next season when uh, when we have a starter at every position that's supposed to be there. Yeah. Um, moving back to the NFL, Sunday night we had the Bills and the Bengals. This was hyped up for a while. You had. Uh, we know the situation with DeMar Hamlin last season uh, with the game getting postponed uh, and just that whole situation. It was great to see him out there in the stadium. I know he wasn't active, but it's a great story, and I think the NFL handled it the right way. Uh, they do do a lot of marketing for it, which I don't really blame them because it's it's a great story. And so... It was good that they had coverage on it. We saw him there. Uh, aside from that, the actual football game, the Bengals are hot right now, Jack. They are, I think they're on, it's either three or four game win streak. Uh, they beat the entire NFC West division, and now they beat the Bills. This is their first AFC win of the year, which is pretty funny. Yeah. And they did sweep the NFC so West. So they took the brooms out, got rid of the Seahawks, Niners, Cardinals, Rams. They're done with that. And now they're moving on to greener pastures. Uh, as far as the Bills, yeah. The Bills, they're one of those teams, Jack, that I feel like they're fraudulent. I feel like they are. Uh, this defense has had major injuries. You talk about Matt Milano, Tredavious White, your best linebacker, your best corner. They go down. Those are huge losses, you know, and... They're not guys that you can just replace like that. And I think this defense, we've talked about it on the podcast coming into this season. They're getting older. We don't know how long we're going to see Poyer and Hyde still there. And they're just getting banged up, and you can see it out there. While they held the Bengals in check in this one, this defense the last month has slowly started to digress, and they've just allowed the floodgates open. And you switch to Josh Allen. He, whether it's play calling, whatever, He's definitely turning the ball over a lot this year, and that's he's kind of tied for I think the league lead since entering the league yeah. in interception ratio. 
So that is something that I would be concerned about is the lack of uh, ball security from him. And, you know, it could be just he's looking to do more than what he needs to do, and he's trying to make a play that's not there all the time. And that's probably honestly what I think yeah. it is, is he's just trying to do too much out there. But whatever it is, this this Bills offense is not hitting on all cylinders. It's it's kind of hitting some games. We see the emergence of the run game sometimes with James Cook. Uh, they signed Leonard Fournette to the practice squad. We'll see if he moves up to the active roster. But whatever is going on there, it's definitely not 100%. And Stefan Diggs has voiced his displeasure for how things have been going there. And uh, I just don't see it getting better for the Bills this season. Yeah, and that's the thing. The Bills, you know, come playoff time, as long as they make it there, they can still beat anybody. That's the thing. They do like they have the talent to do that. But from a week on a week to week basis, they're just not what they've been the last couple of years. And it's because of okay, first off, Josh Allen's turnovers are a problem. And it's we're officially at that I mean we've been at that point for a little bit now, but we're at that point. And when the run game doesn't show up is when that really shows up. And that's that's the main thing, is the run game. It's been a problem for the Bills for as long as Josh Allen's been good. But they really haven't ever had a successful run game. Devin Singletary never really did it. Zach Moss never really did it. James Cook has been a little better, but still not really ever doing it. And that's the big problem. Tavis Murray's just doing it. get the running game going just yeah. enough on a week-to-week basis. This team's going to win a lot of football games, even with the defense not playing at the level it has the last couple of years. But they're just not quite clicking. And, like, Losing Cincinnati, like I get it. Cincinnati's good, but with losses to like New England and some other, like some of these other losses this year, they just they just don't make sense. And and like you said, Josh Allen, eventually Josh Allen's gonna realize that not every play is always there to be made. And there's a lot more times you have to start taking the shorter plays and just you know what? Hey, you know what? Six yards there, great. Gabe Davis is down the field, but I'm gonna throw it to my tight end over here for six yards. Mm-hmm. That's and that's the main thing I think for him they need to figure out. But that's everything the key else gets that's, so opened up by the run game. That's that's what they have to figure out. That's the key for all quarterbacks is just reading what the defense gives you. That's that's the biggest thing, is not making plays that aren't there or that are in double coverage. And I think that's exactly what he needs to do when he feels the pressure. He needs to find a way in those situations to live to fight another down, whether that's taking a one-yard sack, two-yard sack, three-yard sack, rolling out, throwing it away, just getting to live a fight, to live to fight another down, whether it's second, third down, instead of turning the ball over, uh, he needs to give that offense more of a chance. Yes. Uh, switching on to the Monday night game, the Chargers and Jets. Did not watch this one. I have zero comment. Yeah, I didn't watch it either, but the Chargers, they found a way to win. <laughs> uh I thought this one would be more of a defensive battle. The Chargers defense, it looks like, they held up. But, uh, yeah, Austin Eckler, a couple touchdowns. This Jets D still looks pretty solid, but with, uh, with the play of Zach Wilson, they're just not, not going to go anywhere this year, unfortunately. That's just the way it is. Aaron Rodgers is out there throwing now on uh, pregame warm-ups, looking yeah, like he's, he's getting back to – Healthy, I guess you could call it. We'll see. I don't know. Yeah, a lot healthier than most guys are up on Achilles at this point in time. Yeah, I don't know how he's out of boot and crutches and throwing and moving. <laughs> like, it's crazy. It doesn't even look like he's injured out there. So, we'll keep po- we'll keep postponing. We'll keep up to date on that and whether he's back in the next month or so. We'll see. 
Yeah, but in terms of the current Jets, they have enough to keep it along if Rodgers is somehow able to come back and be good. They have enough to keep it going because defensively they are good. The 27 points they gave up in this was not on the defense. It was, no. again, kind of similar to like it happens with the Giants, except a lot more often, where the defense is just not playing good spots. I mean, they, they still – Robert Sala had a really good quote after they beat Philly where he's like, you know, we're only like 3-3, three and three, but we've embarrassed every quarterback we've played. And they embarrassed Justin Herbert. And, and the Chargers did have a punt return touchdown. Yeah. Like, you know, these numbers, again, this is not indicative of the Jets' defense here. No. But the Jets, look, it's, it's hard to win games with the offense the Jets are putting up. And it's obviously it's been the problem for so long. Like, it, I, I just, a player that I don't understand what's going on is Dalvin Cook. Uh, I think Dalvin Cook is not good. Well, but that's the thing, though, is if he's not good, why are you going out and signing him? Because you got him for nothing. I, yeah, th- that's just the one player that I just don't get and how he's being used in this offense. It's, it's almost like he's just not present. Like he's getting two to three carries a game, and Brees Hall has reclined, has declined from last year. Uh, we're not seeing that kind of burst that he has, being able to make it through the tackles, and you know maybe maybe the holes aren't as big, but. He's not having those like home run plays that he had last year before he got injured where he was putting up a really good offensive rookie of the year campaign. He's, we're just not seeing it out of him. And I think when you have a guy like a veteran like Delvin Cook, I would utilize him more often and maybe split the carries 60-40 or 70-30. But right now it's like 90-10. And I just don't see that as a formula for success. I think I disagree with you on this one purely just because I don't think Dalvin Cook is very good. And I agree with you that Brees Hall has not been quite what I think we all hoped he would be. But, I mean, I'm out. I'm out on Dalvin Cook. That's that's my thing. I'm, I'm fully out. I'm I'm still in. I think I still think he's got some game left. I, I don't think he's completely washed yet, but you would like to see that, that Jets ground game get going because you can't, you can't rely on Zach Wilson. It's just yeah. we've, we've seen what that is, and it doesn't work out ever, so... Yeah, we're, we're at that point in the episode, Jack, where we're going to give our game picks for this week. I know we had the Thursday night game. Uh, Drew's not here, but I did, in fact, take the Bears in this one. I forgot to make my picks. Uh-oh. Um, <laughs> well, for that game particularly. Okay. Well, so I, I, I took I've the, now missed two games. I took the Bears, so we're chilling with that. We got, <laughs> we got, the, we got that win right here. Yep. Nice. I have now missed two games in the season. They were both the Bears Thursday night games. I just, you know what, didn't even think about them. I honestly, I don't, I, like, when the Bears are on Thursday night football, I'm not thinking about watching Thursday night football. I still watch it, but I'm not thinking about it until, like, an hour before. I'm like, oh, there's football. Thursday night football's on. I'm going to watch that. Yeah. Uh, first one, we got the Pages at home against the Colts. I, so here's the funny thing, is Jalen Hurts is on a bye week this week, and... I picked up Mac Jones because he was the best quarterback remaining. Oh, so man. Uh, I I got I got <laughs> I got the Patriots in this one. Oh man, yeah. I do not have the Patriots in this one. Not for that reason. I just think the Colts are better. Yeah, I will say that That's honestly, fine. not the not the worst move because the Colts defense is bad. Yeah. So not, not the worst move there. But uh, Bengals Texans. I love how CJ Stroud has been playing, but I gotta take Joe Burr and who day at home. Yeah, I got the Bengals. Vikings Saints. I like what Josh Dobbs did last week. I got the Vikings. I was so close to going to New Orleans. I was really close. I was like, you know what? 
I just thought about how much the Vikings kind of owned the Saints over the last couple of years. Like, you know what? I'm just going to stick with Minnesota. Jordan Addison's going for 70,000 yards tomorrow. Let's do it. <laughs> uh, Steelers-Packers. I got the Steelers. This one is not going to be close. See, I can't say that because the Steelers, like... I think they're going to dominate. But, like, I just, but, like, the Steelers, like, they never can... They just can't. Yeah, I know. It's not close. They never can win by a large margin, but I just... Seen, if there's a game they're going to do it. I've seen one. nothing it's up for the Packers with... Jordan Love. Yeah, I, got, I also I also got the Steelers. Uh, yeah, I think it'll, it'll be close just based on the fact that the Steelers just are going to somehow make it close and then just do the Steelers. It'll be the Steelers. Hey, we're gonna we're gonna suck for three quarters and then kind of figure it out in the fourth quarter. Uh, Bucks Titans. I got the Bucks in this one. I do not. I have Tennessee. Tennessee. I think the Bucks defense is just better than the Titans defense. That's just why. It is a lot better. So I'm 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 believing in Will Levis. I believe in you, pal. We we made a lot of fun of you during the draft process. And you lost your girlfriend. Sorry about that, man. She was... We believe she, in you, Will Levis. She's very good looking. <laughs> I, don't know what, I don't know why Morgan Walla did that to you. Yeah, she was very hot. Maybe he's <laughs> mad about the Braves losing in 1998. But, oh, God. yeah. Or the Braves um, losing this year, actually, now that I think about it. Um... 49ers, Jaguars, you go first. <laughs> I have the 49ers winning this one. I want to go the 49ers very badly, but I, I'm taking the Jags just purely because they lost three in a row, and it's in Jacksonville. This so. is, you know, the hope here is that, you know, the 49ers got a bye week, and all right, let's figure it out. Let's figure out what's going on. And the Jags also have Yeah, that's the thing. The Jaguars are always off a bye. They're not really you know, trying to figure anything out, but they're off a bye. The big thing in this game, Debo Samuel is back with the 49ers, and as of, like, 20 minutes ago, Trent Williams is back with the 49ers. And that'll be the first time that they'll all be healthy since this losing streak started. Um, no, I mean my pick regardless of that. You know that. But <laughs> that's, yeah. that's that's the rationale behind it. I'm, I'm excited to watch it. Well, yeah, I'll, yeah, I'll be able to watch it. Yeah, I'm excited to watch it. It'll be, it'll probably be the best game of the of the week. So. Yeah. Uh, Ravens Browns, wow, it's uh, it's ninety percent of people Jack picking the Ravens in this one. I'm in that ninety percent. I'm also the ninety percent. Yeah. Uh, and I'm in the eighty five percent of Atlanta Falcons believers. Me too. Let's get this. I'm one finally right. getting one right. If the yeah, Car- yeah. if the Cardinals beat the Falcons and screw up my. I get another Falcons game wrong because they lost to the Cardinals. Oh my God, dude! Like I, I'm gonna just stop picking Falcons games if this happens. Honestly, I might go Cardinals. <laughs> like, I don't know what the line is. You know, Cardinals money line. You know, plus three hundred. Actually, here I'm, after I'm this sorry. podcast drops, when I say it, I'm switching it. I'm switching You're it. Switching? I'm switching it. I'm going Cardinals. <laughs> Kyler Murray's back. James Conner's back. Enough said. That offense is gonna figure it out. And honestly, this, the, the line on this card, on this game should go from like I don't know Cardinals. If I had to guess, like Cardinals like plus three hundred on money line. That, that's my best guess. Maybe like two fifty, maybe even two hundred. That line is gonna go to like even after the people in Vegas hear that I chose the Falcons. They're like, oh wait a minute, the Falcons are gonna win. We gotta change that line right now. <laughs> yeah, I think when you get your two, we best, don't bet, but like when you, know. when you get your two best offensive players back, that has to that has to help you out. That's why I'm switching because I remembered Connor's back, and obviously Murray. Uh, Lions on the road against the Chargers. I got the Lions. They're a complete team. They had the one one bad loss against Baltimore. I think uh, they're yeah. just that good. Lions. 
Uh, Cowboys, Giants. I got the Cowboys at home. Well, Unfortunately, Tommy Levito, I I pray for you. <laughs> it's going to be ugly. Ugly. I mean, that might be the worst loss anyone has this season. Maybe even worse than the time other time the Giants lost to the Cowboys this season. And it's the highest spread I've seen, 98%. I've yeah, never uh, seen that before. I want to say there was a 99 at some point. There's, there's been a couple of 99s, I think. I want to say really? Cowboys Cardinals was a 99. Really? And I think I've never seen – I don't remember that because this is the highest I've seen. Yeah, I think there was a – there's been at least there's one of them. I don't remember which one it was. Uh, Seahawks Commanders, I got Seattle at home. That's my squad. Yeah, I also have Seattle at home. Uh, that's a make or break game for them. Uh, Raiders Jets, <laughs> man, this is a stinker. I got the Raiders. I got those New York Football Jets because the Raiders they they're coming off a nice high last week. You know they beat Tommy DeVito at a boy. There was some but for some reason smoking cigars after that. Look, win. you know what I respect that they were so happy that Josh McDaniels was gone. This this yeah. was a celebration of Josh McDaniels being gone more so than the win, but. Uh, that that high I think is gonna actually this game is in Vegas. I thought it was in New York. But still, this game is uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm taking the Jets. That defense is pretty good. It is. Uh, Bills Broncos. I'm taking the Bills. I know I said they're frauds, but they're gonna find a way to. The Broncos to win. are not good, so like you know it doesn't make kind of counter acts yeah. here. Yeah, no, the Bills. Okay, I think there's gonna be 40 points scored in that game. By the way, we'll see. I think I put 42. Okay, well. We'll find out, but yeah, guys, that uh, that wraps up this episode. It was uh, a duo with me and Jack. Uh, thank you guys for tuning in again. We are officially halfway through the NFL season, and we've already started Week 10. We'll be moving into Sunday slate tomorrow, and we'll hopefully be coming out with another episode on Thursday. That's when we'll uh, aim to do the next podcast. So once again, thank you guys. Take care. And enjoy yourselves.